Zeus Sports Podcast, presented by the Columbia Daily Tribune. Hello and welcome to another Mizzou Sports Podcast. My name is Eric Blum, breaking down Mizzou Sports with you every episode here on the show. Joining me as always now, I guess the consistent co-host, I guess, I've had a few, but now the consistent co-host here with me, Langston Newsom from the Columbia Daily Tribune, handles our prep sports, but is obviously versed in the Mizzou world, graduated from there, and is actually living in Columbia longer than I have. So, Langston, how are you doing, man? Doing absolutely fantastic. We're inching closer and closer to the start of uh, fall football. Yeah. Uh, for the first time, I will not be uh, rooting for it. My, I can't, I'm not even going to say their former name, the Washington NFL franchise. I'm from the D.C. area. They've been my favorite team my entire life. No matter what the Washington Post reports or how horrible of a statement or an owner Dan Snyder is, I'm going to support the Washington NFL franchise, but what a week for them. That's a, wow. It's worse than the Astros. It really is. Just, they have had, the, they, they got rid of their racist name, which they should have done decades ago. Then the culture of everything they, Washington Post reported, reported, came out, and now Snyder just has no empathy. Where, where is the bottom for an, a franchise that is just, is really a shell of its former self? I mean, it's, if you go back to right around the time I was born in 1992, one of the most relevant, best cultured NHL franchises, less than 30 years later, they're probably below the Cleveland Browns right now. I mean, really. I mean, you're looking at just just the bottom of the NFL, really. I mean, I'm trying to think of a team off the top of my head in terms of just culture that has been devalued more over that time period. I mean, the Jets and Dolphins are kind of there maybe a little bit, but like they've always been there, you know, for the most part. Can you think of a team who's down there right now as much as the Redskins is? I, I can't. Or were, sorry. And in one of the reasons why everything that's come out, especially from the Washington Post, I believe yesterday afternoon, is, you know, the type of culture that it instills, whether that be sexual harassment or unwanted comments, unwanted touching, things like that. It's the statement put out by uh, Daniel Snyder this morning. It seems, to, one, to not offer any type of apology, and two, it seems to not acknowledge that these things took place. Like he's conducting a review, hired a firm to conduct a review. But I mean, as an owner, you need to own up and say, hey, this happened under my watch and we're trying to change things or admit that you didn't know any of this is happening. And I think that's just as damning for you not to know that this type of thing is happening under your watch in your organization with your top executives. But enough about the the horrible uh, franchise. Great point, Langston. But this is the Mizzou Sports Podcast. Um, as sure as you guys see by the title, uh, we have Krista Schweitzer as the special guest for this episode. Talked to her yesterday. She's doing well. You'll hear this interview uh, without much further ado a little later on, and we'll uh, touch on some other Mizzou things. But uh, I think the, the biggest thing, first off, is just where we're at right now with the world of college athletics. I mean, the the, the sad part is with everything that's going on with the Washington NFL franchise, like this is happening amid a pandemic still. And, you know, since the last time we joined you, the Big Ten has gone conference only. The Pac-12 has gone conference only. I think it's four FCS Division One conferences have canceled all fall sports, including the Colonial Athletic Association, where I went to Towson, who has canceled all fall sports. Um, and it's just one domino after another. And I think it was Columbia Daily Tribune alum, Ross Dellinger, who now works at Sports Illustrated, who came out with a report yesterday of just how a season would go with, like, 
a 14-day isolation period if you were exposed to someone with symptoms, a 10-day isolation period after you have a negative test after a positive, and it just, it, I think if that, and that kind of went into effect yesterday, the NCAA announced it, um, it just seems like right now, college football's back is up against the wall, really. I mean, I still think it's possible to have a season, but it, I, I don't want to be a pessimist, but like, how are they going to pull it off? It's interesting because amongst everything that you're talking about, Coach Jenkowitz over with Mizzou is still preparing to play his first game on September 5th. As he should. So, I mean, you've got so many, you know, things happening at once. You've got conferences kind of preparing by cutting it to conference-only schedules, kind of preparing for the worst in that type of scenario. You've got conferences like the SEC who hasn't made an official statement about that yet. And then you've got coaches and athletes still preparing and still getting ready like the season's going to happen just as scheduled or just like it normally would. And it's it's a whole lot of uncertainty, and people are trying to prepare like it's going to be, you know, just as it usually would be, and I just don't think that's going to be the case. Yeah, it's weird because you see just such conflicting statements. The Missouri State High School Activities Association came out basically saying that we're going on a schedule. And, I mean, yes, that's a much regional approach, but that also – puts kids in direct contact with each other when it's one of the most hot button topics in the country right now whether we need to have in-person schools and so go ahead with athletics i mean that just exposes kids i mean i know from working out you know just having a mask on just does limit when you're trying to work out breathing hard you definitely should wear a mask at all times when you're out don't don't get me wrong but like when you're doing those types of just strenuous activities when you need the constant flow of oxygen it does limit your ability and it's not like, I mean, maybe they can find a way to counterbalance the two, but it's hard, especially in football. So, I mean, if you ask me right now, I do think that there will be a football season just because of how the nature of football goes in this country. But I do think it'll end up being conference only. Mizzou won't play Central Arkansas, Eastern Michigan, Louisiana, Lafayette, or BYU. It'll be Vanderbilt on September 12th to be the home opener. But we'll see what happens with the rest of uh, fall sports. The SEC did delay... Uh, as Mizzou standards go, uh, women's soccer, cross country, and volleyball to September 1st. So that knocked out a couple games for and then uh, for soccer and volleyball, and then a meet for cross country. So we'll see if any further delays happen. But I guess as we just talked about cross country, let's not wait any longer. Without further ado, here's my interview from yesterday with Mizzou six-time NCAA champion Carissa Schweitzer. Podcast this time is former NCAA champion and former Mizzou athlete, track and field, cross country runner, all of that. Chrisa Schweitzer, how are you doing, Chrisa? Good. How are you? Good. Uh, just kind of give us first a kind of a broad update. How are things going with you? Where are you currently training? All of that. Yeah, it's been going well. I'm currently training in Portland, Oregon, and um, we're just doing some like inner squad meets and I think we're just trying to salvage as much of the season as we can. Kind of walk me through like the end of February and when kind of coronavirus maybe started changing things in your routine and your schedule and all that. And how have you, how close back to normal have you guys got? Yeah. Um, right around the end of February is definitely when it peaked here. And um, we were like, at first, just kind of, um, we stopped going to, like, gym together, um, started doing more, like, home gym stuff, and then it just, like, it seemed like every day just kept getting, like, progressively 
worse with um, how serious this was. And we, like, eventually got down to the point where we were meeting, like, alone for all of our daily runs. And then I would meet with one other person for workouts. And then our coach wouldn't even be there. So we each got assigned, like, one other person that we were training with full time. And that was it. So we were definitely very restricted to, like, social interaction and just like our normal team environment. So it was definitely a huge adjustment, but I think all of us just come to realize how grateful we are for when we do get to run together and work out together and have races on dock. Like, for example, when we found out that the Olympics were canceled, it was just really hard to, like, regain that motivation because that's what a lot of us were, like, gearing up for, and that was going to be the peak of the season. Gotcha. Uh, first off, kind of back, to backtrack, uh, for those who don't know, why are you in Portland training as opposed to maybe Mizzou or your hometown or anything like that? Yeah, um, I moved out to Portland um, after I graduated from Mizzou, and I'm training with um, Nike Bowerman Track Club, so they're based out in Portland, like, out by Nike's world headquarters. So that's my home base now. Very cool. And then, so did you, I guess you really didn't have a race from like the, that period in March. And so when, when did you actually like have your first competitive race back on the track? Yeah. So our last race was February. And then our first race back was like, um, first week in July. So it was a really long period of no racing. Even our first week back was like, it was just a race amongst other teammates that I've been training with. So I haven't really, like, done a true race yet. It just seems like a lot of inner squad races, but it's something, and I'm very grateful that we're able to have those times and actually make them count. Can you just describe what quarantine was like for you? Did you just spend more time on a treadmill than usual and try not limit your exposure outside, or you just ran alone? Or how how did you stay in the peak shape that, it takes to compete at the level you're at with yeah. all the distancing restrictions? Um, for a while, we were just, like, running alone out here in Portland, and then um, eventually it just got so bad in Portland to the point where, like, um, it just wasn't a good environment for us to train in. So we all packed up and um, drove to Utah where the restrictions were a lot better and the cases were down um, and we were able to train more how we would like to normally train. So um, that helped us a lot. Just we were there for about two months and just recently came back to Portland. So um, that was just a huge, um, uh, something that we were just really able and really grateful that we were able to do. So where did things kind of stand with you right at this very moment? Is there a race coming up this weekend or have you trained today? Or what, where, where do things just exactly stand at this very moment with your career and all that? Yeah, I think we're just trying to make um, this year just kind of mimic a normal year as much as we can. So um, we're just going to do a couple more races here. And um, I think my next race is going to be on, like, Tuesday or Friday. And it's just going to be another, like, inner squad meet, and we're just going to go for, like, different times and PBs and hopefully um, can make the most of the season. When You said you kind of – or that motivation might have had a chance to be lost when the Olympics got postponed a, a year. Um, is it now just 
all focused on getting back to Tokyo next summer? Or where, where, if anything, did you find new motivation when so much could have been lost because of coronavirus? Yeah. um, I think just I, like, gave myself, like, a couple weeks to just be sad about it and then realize that everyone's struggling right now and um, that I just needed to regain my focus. And it just gives me a whole nother year to get stronger and um, even more ready when the trials come. So I'm very grateful that I'm young in my career right now and can afford this kind of delay. I know there's, like, a ton of people in different situations that this delay is just um, – really devastating because they just want their career to be done or they're kind of like on the breaking side. So um, I'm grateful for that point, and I'm just trying to put everything into perspective. Is there anything you did during quarantine that wasn't part of your usual routine? Like did you pick up a new hobby like cooking or anything like that that maybe you wouldn't have had without the quarantine? Yeah, I definitely started to like do some new recipes, and um, I tested out my baking skills a lot. But um, one thing is I started um, painting more. I didn't have anything to do, so I just, like, started, like, um, just doing, like, little projects around the house. So, yeah, I think quarantine's been pretty productive. (laughs) Gotcha. Are we talking more, like, the Bob Ross paint-alongs or, you know, going for, you know, the Jackson Pollock type of work or or in between? Um, I would say in between, nothing uh, crazy, but just, like, um, I've had, like, some, like, canvases at my house that I've been, like, meaning to, like, do something with, so um, I was just, like, freehanding those. Fair fair enough. And how did the baking go? You'd say you're you're a good baker at this point, or you still got some work? Oh, yes. The baking has gone very well. My roommate wasn't too happy with me. He gained a couple pounds and um i was just testing out like i swear every two days i was making something different um but yeah it went well <laughs> so, so what's the now go-to Krista schweitzer bake good if you were like on food network or something what, what would be the thing you would want to best present to be judged Ooh, i would say these caramel brownies they have like a layer of brownie and then a layer of caramel and a layer of chocolate chips and then another layer of brownie. So those are definitely my best. <laughs> those sound full of calories, but absolutely delicious. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, and I know you probably get asked this a lot, but like, obviously you, you know, had a really prolific career at Mizzou. When did you kind of realize that what you were doing at Mizzou? Cause I, if research, if my research is correct, you weren't like a huge like prospect or like anything like that coming out of, Dallin Catholic in Iowa, correct? Or you? you yeah, no, you're correct. <laughs> so when did it take off from like, okay, I'm just here at Mizzou to wow, I can actually win a national title? Um, I would say my end of my sophomore year, we just kind of like we kept building that momentum, and um, I like was really my goal going into nationals was just to get all American, and I just really surprised myself and ended up getting third, and. To myself, I was like, wow, I think I peaked early. Like, this might be the best I ever get. And then right away, my coach was just like, oh, someday you're going to win nationals. And I'm just like, you think? Like, I don't know. I was questioning it still. But as the training progressed and when I came into cross country my junior year, I just had this, like, another, like, level of determination and just 
fitness ready to um like attack the season and that was definitely just like the season that um I took off from there. Gotcha. Was was that was that conversation with uh Halter or Burns or who was that conversation with? Yeah, that was with uh Coach Burns. He has always like even I placed like a hundred and fifty fifth my freshman year in cross country and he told me like one day you're gonna be in the top three at nationals and I'm always just like what? <laughs> but he never fails me. He's always right. And then, so, what, how have you kind of? I know you've tried to stay in contact with the the program, and you've tried to be, you know, that that model alumni. And I know last year, I don't remember the exact game. It might have been homecoming, actually. You you got to dang the drum at Perot before uh, the start of a game, so it would be the the old Miss game. But how have you tried to try to just you know stay in the spotlight here in Columbia and? you know, knowing and trying to get back to the university, even though you're now in Portland. Yeah, for sure. Um, I just look at it like um, Columbia is just like my second home, and I just feel like if I didn't go there, I would have never, like, gotten to the level that I'm at right now. It just um, really set me up for success, and I always just want to give back to that, and I always want to, like, um, show my experience there to people that I meet, like, out here in Portland or around the world that I just want to, like, keep promoting the zoo because I had such a good experience there and um, truly loved it. It's a tough question, I'm sure, but if you could pinpoint your favorite one or two memories in your time at the zoo, could, could you do that easily? Um, yeah, I think so. Um, I think my favorite memory was probably um, either winning the national title in cross country or honestly just making it there with our team we won regionals and we beat a bunch of teams that we weren't expected to beat and I think having that all come together on one day was just so special and um we'll just forever remember that which which year of that was your was that your junior year that was yeah that was my junior year so 2016 if I yeah, have the math right in my head what I make sure I have the math right in my head that was 2016 <laughs> Yes, fall of 2016. Gotcha. And so it's kind of cool that one of your favorite memories is actually a team memory. I mean, you know, instead of because, because you compete kind of as individuals, I don't think you did many of the relays and track or anything like that. So how did you kind of just stay ready year-round? I mean, you're obviously training year-round now, but, like, you had cross-country, then indoor, then outdoor. How did you just – there's no off-season, really, and then you had to train in the summer. How did you just stay, you know, at the top of your game for a long period of time like that? when you were at Mizzou. Yeah. No, that's definitely really hard. And after I won my first title, it was just kind of like all that pressure just came at me all at once. And now every race I lined up for was um, just like, it was a big deal. And um, it was a lot of weighing on that. And I just think that my teammates and just like my coaches like really helped me with that. Um, Especially just once you get to that level and being able to maintain that without getting injured or without having just like a down season or something like that when we are literally training year round. Um, I just was able to peak when he trained me to and then I really took my rest day seriously and um, like a day after a big meet like I would just take the day off or get ready for the next one because our biggest thing was just consistency and yeah sometimes we didn't train as hard as we wanted to at certain points, but um, just being able to keep that consistency year-round was way more important 
than trying to peak for just one. Gotcha. So what's what's next? Is, is, is it just all goals ahead towards the possible Tokyo 2021 birth, or is there a getting ready for the trials, or what, what's kind of right in front of you that's the next big thing that maybe you can race against some people that aren't on your Sourman team, or what's kind of right ahead of you? Yeah, um, I think for now we're just um, plugging away at this season. We're um, attempting to get some more American records, so um, it's been pretty fun to just kind of chase those times you normally are in competition and you're not like really set up races that you can just see how fast you can go. So that's what we're doing right now because we don't have the competition and we um, all we have is time, so we're just trying to set up these perfect races and see how fast we can go and hopefully that confidence of knowing that you can run this or run that will lead um, to successful next year. Yeah, that was, thank you for reminding me, that was one thing I definitely wanted to ask you about that I forgot is right before the shutdown, it seemed like, you know, end of January, early February, you were in the spotlight for not only setting your own PRs, but challenging for some American records and being pushed by your own teammates. I mean, to know that you're not only just t- chasing your own personal best down, but chasing down some pretty high marks that Americans have set long ago. What, what is that? What is that motivation like? Where you're really chasing down some really almost un kind of breakable goals here? Yeah, honestly, just crazy. It feels like such a short time ago I was chasing for school records and even just like chasing for high school school records. So um, to say that I'm going for like an American record here or have an American record um, is just honestly crazy because I just have never even thought I would say those words, but um, definitely not taking anything for granted. And we're just working really hard and um, that hard work is just paying off and it's finally showcasing. And um, I think our whole team is just really excited about it. I guess one kind of final question for you here, Carissa, thank you so much for taking the time to join us here today. But, um, I asked this about a, a bunch of different guests when I have them on. Is you know, if you can think back to your time in Columbia, what was what was your uh, go-to restaurant you always went to? What was your what was your favorite spot? Ooh, um, I actually loved Addison's. Um, the nachos right. there are amazing, <laughs> so I'd say that was probably where I would go back to. I think that's a great note to end it on. I mean, uh, yeah, just thank you so much, Chris, for joining us. This is Chris Schweitzer. I think it was a six-time NCAA champion, if you're running. Yeah, six-time. Six-time NCAA champion. And, you know, she is hopefully training and being a part. Hopefully the world gets on back on track so everybody can be in Tokyo next summer and she can represent the U.S. But thank you so much for taking the time to join us here, Chris, and keep training away, and we'll hopefully catch up with you soon. Yeah, thank you for having me. like to thank our sponsors for the Missouri Sports Podcast. University of Missouri Healthcare. University of Missouri Healthcare is proud to be the official sponsor of MU Athletics. Blue Events. Let Blue create your perfect event. Their passion for food, service, and presentation ensures that you will have a seamless and memorable event, no matter the size. They will work with you to bring your vision to life. Phyllis Nichols, State Farm Insurance. There when things go wrong, here to help life go right. And now back to our podcast. Thank you once again, Carissa, for being our special guest. Hopefully, you know, uh, it was nice hearing from her. You know, obviously one of the most decorated Mizzou athletes maybe of all time. I'm trying to think even who rivals her. 
Jaden Cox, maybe. Yeah, Cox was the first person to come uh, uh, to my mind. In terms of individual national success, I really can't think of anyone who matches that. I mean, it. I mean, Sophie, in terms of influence, is absolutely there. Drew Locke, in terms of current influence, might be there. Chase Daniels, a longstanding person. Who, when people think of Mizzou, who do you think of? But in terms of just straight-up numbers, and it, it probably has to be Carissa. I mean, because Jaden went three of four, but, I mean, I guess Chris's percentage uh, might be a tiny bit lower than that because she didn't win a national title until her junior year. But once she won, she won six in a span of two years. I mean, that's just unheard of almost. So thank you again to Chris for joining us. Hopefully she can get back on the track soon. And you, you'd think she's got to be in Tokyo in 2021, and hopefully uh, everybody can cheer her on then. Uh, before we go any further, the Mizzou Sports Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's, the home of handmade-to-order chicken, salads, and more than a dozen mild-to-wild sauces. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today. The Columbia location of Zaxby's is right off of 63 North in the Stadium Boulevard exit. Uh, they've been open the entire time, from my knowledge, during the pandemic. So go get your uh, chicken dinners and, uh, yeah. Langston, you just said you had Zaxby's the other day. Yeah, so. <laughs> I think I said it on two weeks ago. I went uh, uh, maybe last week to Zaxby's, that uh, Columbia location, kicking chicken sandwich, uh, extra fries. I mean, if you're in the mood for some chicken tenders, that's the, the the only way to go in Columbia. Really? Yeah, yeah, for sure. As I'm wearing a chicken shirt right now myself, but that's fried chicken from Gus's in Memphis, but that's a little bit different. I would say Gus's is a tiny bit better than Zaxby's. But. <laughs> Because Gus's, I mean, there's a location both in Kansas City and in St. Louis of Gus's, but it started in Memphis, and I went to the original one. The best fried chicken I've ever had. Anyway, shout out to Bruce Blum if you're listening, because he was on the trip with me. But let's get back to the Mizzou sports. Uh, you know, just where, and I know I kind of mentioned it earlier, but just in your as an outsider, kind of look at in Langston, when you see what's going on with, do you think there's going to be a college football season? And if so, what does it look like? And if not, what kind of ramifications do you think that might have? The money will always talk, and money says that we'll have football. And whether that means they'll have to continue to postpone Olympic sports um, to make that happen or to have more tests readily available. I mean, the NCAA already came out in a statement today saying that all players will be tested 72 hours before each game. Um, But football, unless something absolutely crazy happens, and the last five months has been nothing but craziness, uh, but – I expect there to be a college football season. It's only a matter of time, in my opinion, before the SEC adopts what the ACC and Big Ten has already done with one conference only. I just think that makes the most sense, especially with a lot of these other smaller conferences electing to just cancel fall sports altogether. Um, I could see a scenario where it's only really the Power Five. Now, when you talk about what the college football season will look like, you know, is there a postseason? Is there conference championship games? I mean, the whole point of the college football playoffs is that anyone can get there. But if there is only the power five and the group of five teams, you know, is there a championship? Things get a little dicey from there. What happens if a uh, several members on a team gets supposed to cover 19 and, you know, you've got such a large outbreak on one team that they have to cancel games in the future? Because you're talking about close contact of players and personnel. For each team, let's say five, ten players get exposed on one team. Can that team, you know, travel and, and play following weeks? There's so many scenarios that I know that the SEC and the NCAA needs to be looking at heading into this year. And like I, like I said earlier in the episode, you know, Coach Drinkowitz is preparing 
to play on September 5th, and we'll see see if that happens. Yeah, we'll get to the highlights from his, his uh, press conference, which he held on Wednesday a little bit later. But just as it, as it comes to the college ball playoff, there was already a problem with that and getting the group of five teams in already. I mean, you look at the past couple of years, P.J. Flex last year at Western Michigan, they were the group of five selection and then got whooped in the cotton ball by Wisconsin. Uh, and then it was been, it's been UCF the past couple of years. And if that UCF team who had a healthy Mackenzie Milton at quarterback who beat Auburn in the Peach Bowl wasn't good enough to make it in, I don't think we're ever going to see a group of five team on the current alignment get in the four. Uh, I always like the scenario of having it be eight and you have the five conference champions, the one best group of five team, and then two at-large bids and the first round on conference campuses. I, I always liked that idea and I still do. But... And as it relates to a team who's been in the college football playoff a little bit uh, recently and one of Mizzou's non-conference opponents this year as the two highest ranking or two highest profile FBS independents in uh, Notre Dame and BYU, where does this leave them? You know, it, it just if, if the ACC cancels, you know, non-conference play, Notre Dame might have two games. I believe the ACC has already come out and said that they are working and they will keep all games within the ACC with Notre Dame. They're so, working, but that doesn't yeah. mean anything. I mean, because they Notre Dame, you know, if they want to. I believe Notre Dame is an ACC school for most other sports anyway. Yep. So it would be easy. But in turn, Notre Dame is just its own conglomerate for football. So that's much easier coming out and saying it than actually doing it. Yeah, and exactly. And it unfortunately for a school like BYU I don't know what conference they would work with or West, they're in the West Coast Conference ready their sport but schools like Gonzaga and St. Mary's California don't have football exactly so I don't know what football conference they would align themselves with but I mean these are the conversations that every athletic director across the nation they're having these conversations right now and it kind of pull it back to you know high school football um, mission coming out and giving their recommendations and guidelines earlier this week. I spoke with uh, CPS uh, Columbia Public Schools Athletic Director David Egan earlier this week, and he was talking about meeting with all the school level ads and high school football coaches and talking about you know potentially are they going to hold their jamboree this year? They're in a new conference, the Central Missouri Athletic Conference, and maybe that can potentially help with you know, scheduling games if they have to regionalize things and things like that. So it's happening across all levels of football. You know, whether it's high school, whether it's college, even in the NFL, like there are so many things, so many scenarios that need to be thought and thought of and evaluated at this time. But time is running out, essentially. Yeah, we have. There hasn't been much talk about whether the NFL is going to have a season, and they kick off the week after college football. Like, is it just the NFL doesn't care, or just they're too busy dealing with Dan Snyder, or what? I don't, I don't, I don't know. But you know, it, it just. And we'll touch back on right now of Eli Drinkwitz's uh, presser is that. In this country, and this is the equivalent I used on the radio with KTGR yesterday, is that you're innocent until proven guilty. And in a sense, coronavirus hasn't made the college football season guilty yet. There's still a season. Drinkwitz isn't paid to get into the hypotheticals, and he said that several times during the the press conference. So he's preparing his team like nothing's wrong. And while you can see it from the photos that were taken at the the start of mandatory practices, which started on Monday for Mizzou Athletics, uh, or just Mizzou football in general, um... They're social distancing, you know, weight rooms aren't sparse in terms of, you know, weights, but they're sparse in terms of people. So it, it really just seems like, you know, not that there's a lack of recognition, but like until the last minute comes where you're told you are not going to play, Mizzou's going to prepare like Central Arkansas is happening. And at this time, it's, it seems like that, that it's, it's only a matter of time until that game gets canceled because it's FCS and then. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what happens from here. I don't think anybody 
could have predicted this and it, it it's a bizarre times we live in but i mean we want to talk sports i really want there to be a season i was looking forward to cover and drink what's first year i was really looking forward to going we mentioned byu going to provo you know at the end of the day i could find myself because of conference games going to starkville mississippi and columbia south carolina and gainesville florida but and i've already been to knoxville tennessee before but i uh, in terms of a town i would never go to on my own like laramie wyoming last year which was cool to see and i never plan on visit revisiting again provo utah is one of those towns and that's one of the really cool parts about this job and just in terms of covering how do you go from a barry odenbled team to a drinkwitz team i mean he kept this is kind of the even split in a sense from even the gary pinkle era because gary pinkle obviously led the team from 2001 to 2015 odom had the next four years and Odom kind of just took a lot of those principles from Pinkle being a longtime assistant of his and just kind of let them, you know, be. And this Drinkwitz is very much an, an outsider bringing in his own ideas, which Mizzou, you can say from a perspective, has kind of needed a little bit of a jolt to get over that hump to get to back where they wanted to be, you know, since they kind of entered the SEC. At the end of the day, they've won more divi- SEC division titles than a majority of the schools in the conference have won in football since they joined the conference. I think it's only three schools from each each division it's auburn lsu alabama in the west and i think it's missouri georgia florida in the east who are the six schools that have won a uh sec division title and appeared in a conference championship game since mizzou and texas a&m entered the conference in 2012 uh it's, it's just them and so that's a good thing to say but i think that with division Jim Stark has the athletic department a little bit more might have been needed by his standards and it was interesting to see just how does Eli Drinkwitz get there because it seems like he's built up so much momentum in the offseason with recruiting and just all of his Jerry Seinfeld moments that he has on press conferences like making fun of Donald Trump and the Sun Belt Conference and all those which you can read up read my article that was in I guess it was Thursday's Tribune it's online just kind of breaking down all of that and there's a Q&A I think in Friday's paper and also online but just to see the difference of okay if there's a stumble against vanderbilt how much of that is lost is it all of it or is it most of it is it none of it you know just covering that would have been nice and i think just from a national perspective there's more interest in nick bolton as a player than there is about anyone else on the team and nick bolton in a one-year time went from just the other guy next to kale garrett to one of the best linebackers in the country covering i think mizzou has one of the best safety duos in the country tyree gillespie and joshua bledsoe you know it seems like Larry Roundtree is back in focus with Tyler Beatty and Dawson Downing and Elijah Young, who's former Mr. Tennessee for football, coming into the fold. It, ju- it just, it seems like it was going to be a really fun season to cover, and I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but when I look at the risks combined with, you know, coronavirus and just, you know, everything going on, it, it really seems like a really harsh thing to say that money is going to save the season. I, I, it just, It just seems like such an odd, odd, odd take that, well, we're going to sacrifice these kids to save a buck. I don't know. I, I, how do you rationalize that? It's, you know, a part of the craziness is that every college uh, in the community that surrounds that, you know, stresses how much football does for the community, whether, you know, it talks about tourism, bringing in people and bringing in money. 
I just find it hard to see how much they stress how football, how much football is a part of their community, how much it drives revenue to see that it doesn't happen this year. I, you know, we already kind of talked about it. Football will happen in some sort of capacity this year. The SEC doesn't want to lose money. The Big Ten doesn't want to lose money. The ACC doesn't want to lose money. And, you know, football drives so much of what they do in other sports and and the other areas of their athletic departments. I just find it hard to believe that they're going to say no to this money, especially the TV money, because stadiums aren't going to be filled to capacity this fall. Speaking of just of breaking news on the fly, um, SEC literally just announced that Southeastern Conference athletes who choose not to play fall sports because of health and safety concerns surrounding COVID-19 will have their scholarships honored. Um, and that's right as we record on this Friday afternoon. And it's it's crazy that, like, you know, that was even a thought before right now. That like, if you don't play, we could pull your scholarship. I'm glad that the league is not making that move to save a buck. Like, right as it comes into, into play, I mean, you know, it just – it affects the athletes right now just in football, volleyball, soccer, and men's, women's cross country. I mean, and we'll see how if they extend this policy or what happens. But as of right now, it just, it, I don't I don't know how, you know, just has there ever been as an uncertain time in college athletics as there is right at this very moment? I mean, not in our lifetimes. And to kind of piggyback back off of that update, another part of that is that they said that they will remain in good standing with their teams. But these are college kids on scholarship fighting for positions. You know, unless there's some type of serious health risk, do you see any kid really opting out of the season, especially for Mizzou football, and missing a whole <sighs> year a of tough, development? Top statement to make. It's because it, wow. what the SEC put out is a good thing. You want to make sure that kids' scholarships, if there is some type of health concern or if a kid doesn't feel safe, you want him to have the option and continue to go to the University of Missouri. But is that really an option? Is it really an option? For, for, here's the, the kids of the toughest. The kids that were hoping to be drafted next year, like Nick Bolton, who I think might forego his senior year and go to the draft. A Tyree Gillespie, who I think is one of the most underrated players you know, at his position group in the country. A Larry Roundtree, who's been recognized by the Senior Bowl. You know, Eli Drinkwitz himself threw out the name Kiki Chisholm and Damon Hazelton as the two grad transfer wide receivers, you know, that could be potential NFL players. You know, are you willing to forego your senior season and all of that? It's a risk maybe worth taking. I mean, you see that sometimes at the basketball level. I, I'm blanking. What's the guy's name from Memphis who had to sit out? James, James Wiseman. James Wiseman. Thank you. It's going to work out for him, I imagine. So it's just right now you got to take everything with a grain of salt and i mean i do think there i do think there will end up being football it just is it safe to have football <laughs> just that that's a better question but enough about the coronavirus and i wish there was more to talk about because this would be i would be back from atlanta by now i would have left i would have already flown there for media days i think yesterday would have been the final day i don't know if i would have stayed for all four days but i would be back in town by now we'd be counting down the days until football starts i'd take probably take a mini vacation somewhere in here but now I'm just I'm just hunkered down because of this pandemic and, you know, doing the safe things to do, wearing your masks and recording this little podcast. But uh, the kind of the next date that's coming up is it looks like next week is a big week in terms of getting numbers turned around. And, you know, every league has kind of said we're going to make a decision late July. Well, a week from now is the last week of July where it's entirely in July. So when is when? And it looks like Fridays are going to come out. So. You know, two Fridays from now is July 31st. So that uh, if that's not late July, I don't know what it is. So really, we're looking kind of here at we're really in crunch time here. But uh, after that, August 3rd is the uh, date for the NBA. Players make their decision whether they are going to opt out of their eligibility or return. Still no decision from the three Mizzou basketball players. 
that opted to enter the process in Jeremiah Tillman, Xavier Pinson, and Mitchell Smith. But last, anything I've heard is that all three are expected to return. I know there's been some Instagram posts from Xavier Pinson about, you know, well, I'm going to, you know, just with like him with a question mark jersey on. I mean, in this uncertain times, if he wants to test the NBA, best of luck to him. But I think, you know, and everything I've, everything I've heard is that he is expected to return to Columbia. And I'd be pretty shocked based on what we've heard from Jeremiah. He was helping at the Lawrence Bowers camp uh, when he said basically he's, he's returning just because of uncertainty. And we haven't heard a word from Mitchell Smith, but I think he would return as of right now just be a part of a team that if it stays healthy, you know, and, and basketball happens as scheduled, I think the NCAA tournament has got to be their, you know, floor for how good this team can do. A healthy roster, an experienced roster, bringing in some good guys, you know, just it seems like it's always been kind of one step away for the entire Conzo era. This is a big year for basketball. Definitely. And, you know, to kind of go back to the Instagram post, I I know it's a part of our job to kind of, you know, take every, you know, whether it be Twitter, whether it be, you know, Instagram, any type of social media and kind of, you know, try to dissect that. But you got to take a step back. He'll make a decision. And I don't think that, you know, Instagram post is is really uh, a, a huge game changer for people who believe that he's going to come back to Missouri. And it's not a huge game changer for people who think he's going to test the waters or eventually go into the NBA, NBA draft. But I completely agree with you that this is kind of the, a make or break year for Coach Martin. You know, a lot of returners coming back, going to be healthy. If all of Tillman, excuse me, Tillman, uh, Penson, and Mitchell Smith come back, I mean, you're absolutely right. It's Martin Schmadness. Like, the tournament is. It is the one and only goal, and it seems like that's the floor for this team. Yeah. Well, with that said, anything else you want to talk about real quick before we – I mean, we, we talked about COVID. We talked about basketball. I wish we had more certainty to talk about. It seems like everything's kind of up in the air and more games to talk about. I really wish we did. We, we, kind, we kind of don't. Uh, we, we, we've talked enough trash about my favorite football team, and, you know, uh, we had Chris on. Thanks again to Chris Schweitzer for being on. Yeah, do you want to kind of wrap it up here? Anything else you want to talk about? Yeah, I just want to thank everyone in the city of Columbia. 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 Uh, <laughs> but uh, the mask ordinance went into effect last Friday, and I've been out a few times, whether it's the grocery store or whether it's to the gym. Everyone seems to be observing that. So I'm really, really proud about this community stepping up and wearing a mask at all times. And I just want to ask the rest of our listeners to continue doing that and that uh, if you want some type of sports in the fall, the easiest thing that you can do to get that is to wear a mask, wash your hands, and socially distance. And if you don't want to listen to two hosts in podcast land, maybe you should listen to Eli Drinkwitz. One quote directly from his uh, from my story Wednesday was, quote, I guess I'm frustrated when people argue against wearing masks. It's like, why are we not willing to try it? It's gotten to the point where they're supposedly on Twitter, you've got the Corona bros, and then you've got the guys who think it's fake. And now we've got both sides reading against each other. I'm just reading for the United States of America. I'm reading for us to beat the disease. I don't care who's right or wrong. And it's clear that the evidence states, and that's the end of the quote, but it's clear the evidence states that mask wearing helps. So maybe you should listen to Mizzou's head football coach if you want a football season. But yeah, with that said, Langston, anything else to add or let's let's cut this episode here? No, just wear your mask. All right. Uh, thank you for listening to this episode of the Mizzou Sports Cap. Uh, I'm, I'm messing up. Just We got to end it. I'm messing up speaking. But uh, thank you for listening to this week's Mizzou Sports Podcast. Hopefully we're back next week with another episode. Actually, I know we will be. I've already lined up next week's guest and a time. So we'll be back actually next Thursday, July 23rd, with ESPN college football expert Phil Steele. Until then, uh, that's been Langston Newsom. I've been Eric Blum. Thanks for listening.